and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I hope everyone has been having a super great week. I am super excited for you guys to listen to this episode. I am joined by Jessica Sigan. She is a wellness expert aiming to help those within the corporate world. I love what she's doing. She herself worked a corporate job and just found herself at a point where she really needed a change. And over a period of eight years, she founded the Be Still Holistic Wellness Company, which aims to create sustainable wellness practices for working professionals in the corporate world. She just really strives to help people within the working world create a more balanced and mindful life when it comes to their work-life balance. And I just love everything that she's doing. I love everything that she had to say. And I learned so much while talking with her, especially because I'm graduating college in May and will be entering that whole workforce world soon. So just hearing her insight and seeing her experience with wellness within the corporate world and information that she's had that she was able to share from other clients that she's worked with was just really fascinating to hear and I think everyone listening to this will be able to learn a lot from her. She was super kind and had a very welcoming calm energy and which made the conversation really enjoyable and I just loved speaking with her and I think you guys will love hearing what she has to say. So without further ado let's get into the episode. Hi, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, And lately, every time I have a guest on, I've been asking them what is one quote that has really resonated with you and changed your perspective on things like life, jobs, relationships, Mm. etc. Yeah, I love quotes. I actually... um... I kind of nerd out on them. So that's a tough one to pick one. Actually, I think if I just pick life lately, because I've been going through so many changes, Mm -hmm. um, there's two that I kind of repeat back to myself as mantras. So one, as I'm going through a change is live as if, and then, you know, I put it in my notebook, like dot, 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 because it kind of reminds me to embody what I'm calling in as if it already happened. So that one's pretty fun. Um, the second one that I've been saying a lot lately is don't chase attract. And that concept can be really powerful when you're, you're doing something new or you're calling something in and you feel, or even in like relationships, now thinking back, like relationships and different things, when you're like chasing something and reaching for something too much, it's just not attractive and it doesn't work. But when you're living in your flow, you kind of notice things just happen naturally. So it kind of reminds me to calm down, be patient and like let life work out. So I would say those too. Yeah, I love those, especially the don't chase attract one because it can be so hard to remember that. Like we're just go, go, go all the time that we're, and we're just trying mm. to get everything done and try to always be in control of the of things. But when we just take a step back and think like, okay, the things that are meant for me are just going to come to me naturally. It's a really good reminder Oh, for sure. And I mean, just based on like life lived until now, it actually works because when you stop worrying about stuff, like a big thing for me is worry. And when I stop worrying, things just work out. And it's interesting because we spend a lot of time wondering about every scenario and how's this going to work out. But realistically, like when have things not worked, maybe they didn't go the way you planned, but, um, 
you're usually going to be okay. So yeah. it's, it's just an interesting, it's definitely a grounding, a grounding one to have close, close by. Yeah. And even when things don't work out as planned, they usually end up working out better than we could have thought that they would, you know, based on mm-hmm. our original plan that we had for ourselves. So it's a good reminder. And just Absolutely. so for everyone listening, what is your background, your story, what really brought you into, um, like corporate holistic wellness tell yeah. us about yourself? I would love to. So yes, as you mentioned, my name is Jessica Tsigan and I recently pivoted from a career in corporate treasury, uh, where I was for just over eight years to star a holistic wellness company. And this company is so close to my heart because I created it to support the people I was working with, my colleagues, my friends, my boss, all these people that were in my circle. I have created a space and a community for them to have accessible, quick, applicable wellness information so they can actually apply it to their life. So um, let me back up a little bit though. So I came into the uh, corporate finance industry right out of college. Um, and I just kind of hit the ground running. I, I was very motivated. Um, I really like the corporate culture, to be honest. I think there are obviously things in every environment that we could always improve, but I like being around people who are motivated and like what they're doing, like to grow and kind of like to push things forwards. It's a fun environment in that sense. And so I had a really good time. I lived in um, North Carolina and Charlotte and then moved up to New York, both of which I lived for four years. And, you know, living in a big city also comes with its own kind of adventures and demands as well, um, which being in that kind of fast paced environment coupled with living in these bigger cities, particularly once I moved to New York, you kind of quickly realize the pace that you're going at um, in those early years is not sustainable for the long term. And, and I started picking up um, my own symptoms that I now know were based on stress and the path of burnout. But at the time, I just kind of thought it was normal to have stomach pains, acne, weight gain, like all these really uncomfortable things. And I just didn't know where they were coming from. Um, So that kind of woke me up to start exploring a little bit as like, where is this coming from? I I feel like a healthy person. I eat well, I exercise. Um, I had a really strong and still do a strong spiritual practice. So on the surface, it looks like I was doing everything right. And then, you know, the stuff would still come and, and, um, it just brought me on this like path of curiosity of like, where's the root? Like, what am I doing wrong? And I think anyone that's listening, or maybe you can relate when you have symptoms of something manifesting in your body, like stuff you can actually see and feel, and you just don't know where it's coming from. That can become very frustrating very quickly. And you feel like it's your fault. Like, is this something I ate? Is it something I did? Like, what can I change? Um, to make sure this doesn't come back. Like those types of things is really what motivated me to, to start asking around and learning. Um, and I would say like responses from, I went to a dermatologist and I went to a doctor, there was some stomach stuff going on. They did a, um, when they put a camera thing down into your belly to see if you have an ulcer, I don't know what those are called, but they did all these things. And, you know, the answers were essentially like, 
you're fine. Nothing's wrong. And with my skin, they gave me some really, I mean, the medication worked awesome. But when I asked the doctor, like, what can I eat differently? What can I do differently? He was like, I don't have anything for you, but take this and you should be better, you know? And I knew long-term, I mean, if you don't take care of something like skin issues, like if you don't get to the root cause of that stuff, it just keeps coming back. And I didn't want to take medication, especially the kind of stuff I was taking. It can impact your gut like this. So I was like, I know I can't take this for a long time. Um, so all that to say, I started learning on my own. And when I moved to New York, I came across, um, a book on Ayurveda. And that was my first introduction to what I would call a very holistic practice in the way that they talk about um, health, not just being a solving a problem, but rather a preventative practice that looks at um, how you live your life as a huge element and factor of your overall wellness. So it was the the first introduction of something tangible that could explain what I kind of knew to be true, which is, you know, listening to your intuition, understanding that all these pieces of life are connected and impact your health. And then from there to spiral that, you know, when you find something that you love and it just like clicks. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, you just know if you have that spark in you, you're like, Oh, I need to keep learning this. I need more. And you just, let it flow. And so I continued to work in my, in my banking job. And on the weekends, I was taking classes to become an Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, and I loved it. So I started seeing clients on the side. Um, if for anyone that's listening that understands there's a practiced Ayurveda, uh, yoga is actually the sister science of Ayurveda. So you would recommend certain postures or flows for people based on whatever they're dealing with at the time as part of their, um, as part of their recommendations, uh, when they leave you. So I went on to become a yoga teacher just so I could (laughs) actually know what I was talking about (laughs) when I recommended things. Um, and then, you know, I continue to slowly, and I hope for anyone listening, we will dive into it. I'm sure, but all these pieces, you know, slowly happened over eight years. So, it's not like, you know, I just left my job and became a holistic health coach. It it was built with time and structure and very intentionally. Um, and then where else did we go? I became, oh, I became a certified health coach through the integrative Institute of nutrition. And then in the summer of this year, I fully transitioned into, uh, be still holistic wellness, which is my company today. So a lot in there, but I would say like looking back and, and thinking about all these cool things that at the time didn't make sense. I was like, how can I be into holistic wellness and also be this corporate finance professional, super dedicated to my career? How can I blend these things and, and really feel comfortable living into all that I am in the work that I do. And it's cool. Cause you just, if you're patient, going back to my quote earlier, if you're patient and follow signs it comes and it makes sense eventually. So, um, from that, I would say like following curiosity and, and, and listening to your intuition is really, those are the things that got me here. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that story. I love when you, when I hear people say that they were like in one part of their life, like one stage, and then they just saw all these signs come up and just felt like a pull. It's Mm -hmm. almost, it's so powerful. Like when you hear about this almost 
it sounds kind of crazy, but just like this feeling inside you that drives you towards something else. And Mm -hmm. when you start going in that, we're following that pull or that intuition, it's like you said, everything just clicks. So it's a really powerful thing when you hear about, hear about it and hear stories about it, but just absolutely for, I'm really curious about your Ayurveda, um, history and knowledge about all that. So what, what exactly is that for people who don't know? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So it is a, let me start with where it originated. So it is originally from India. Ayurveda is very well known now, though. I would say they, it's a practice that's spread into Western culture. And I think in the U S it's considered an alternative approach to, to health and medical practices. Um, similar to Chinese medicine where people know what it is. It's another way of looking at the body and healing. Um, that's a little bit different than what we're used to in the U S. Um, but caveat, I think they can all be used together. I don't think one system is better than the other. It's just different. Um, and what Ayurveda describes and teaches is that we look at nature and we look at the elements around us as representations of what's in our own body. So it teaches that we're connected to the seasons, we're connected to the weather, we're connected to the same qualities that's in the food that we eat. Um, And it looks at the world as a very interconnected system. And so as a result, it helps us understand what's coming up in our bodies when, let's use the seasons because that's a a tangible example, when seasons change, uh, our physical needs change, the foods that we crave change, the type of exercise Um, our routines, you know, during winter, we want to be cozy and settled in and grounded versus in the summer, we're super social and energetic. So it helps us understand ourselves by studying nature. And another core element um, that people I think can find very enlightening is we look at what we call mind body types or doshas. There's three combinations of them, vata, pitta, and kapha. And they, based on what your primary um, institution is, what you're, and you're born with this, so like you're born with a certain uh, mind body type when you're living in that mind body type. So eating the way that works for you, um, creating a lifestyle and a routine around your mind body type, it helps you understand yourself a little bit better. Um, and the very tangible way to kind of explain that to Westerners that, that, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition teaches is that um, we're all bio-individual. So Ayurveda says the same thing, but we call it, we categorize it into doshas. We talk about it a little bit differently, but that your health, the way that you eat, your digestion, your needs are all different. So we can't look across a certain diet and prescribe that to everyone. We can't eat like everyone in our family or our friends or our colleagues at work. We're all different. And so once you find your groove and what works for you, then stick with that confidently um, and move with that because you know what's best for your body. And I think when we try to do what works for other people, we get confused and frustrated. We're like, oh, she eats that and she looks great. But when I eat that way, you know, I'm bloated and tired and all these things. And that's because you probably, you very likely are made up of a different constitution and your needs are different. Um, So how I use Ayurveda with corporate clients is based on, we do an analysis based on what their dosha is. And I provide to them like new insights of, hey, this time of day is when you have the most energy, get your hardest tasks, your thinking tasks done at this time of day. 
um, eat these types of foods at night because they help you fall asleep and you have more creative energy. Here's how to manage that creativity. That's always spiraling in your mind. So we kind of use this ancient practice in a modern way, um, with this, you know, the, the lives that we live to kind of leverage your time and be a little bit smarter around choices that we make. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah if, for people who want to check it out, there's, um, if you just Google, I, I think you can just Google, uh, like what's my dosha. Um, and you can find, you know, there's quizzes around like, what are, you know, what are your habits that you like? What do you actually look like? A lot of it, you can tell by looking at someone what their primary constitution is. So, um, it could be a fun way to just kind of learn a little bit more about yourself if, if you're interested. Yeah, that, that does sound cool. I've never heard of that. Like, Oh, cool. your mind body type or anything I've heard of Ayurveda I don't know too much about it but mm. um the idea that there's like certain mind body types for each person and you know what's your dosha that's that sounds like something super interesting I'm gonna look into that more yeah um, and it's fun too I mean it's mm-hmm. like again everyone likes a good quiz so you can yeah. kind of take it for what it is but it's exactly. quite powerful yeah so when you're working with your corporate clients is there one big concern or major maybe not major but common theme that comes up between across the different clients that you see yeah there definitely is um a few things so I would say where to begin so at a high level there's three things that I'm seeing across the board stress burnout and how do I manage my mental health are three things that are showing up in different ways, symptoms of stress and burnout can feel like a lot of different things in different people based again on that bio-individuality. But those three things, I think the, the work and the environment that people are living in, as well as just the greater, like where, where we are as a society and what's going on in our world is just, it's a lot for people. And they're trying to process all these things without support. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing beautiful things because people are opening up and, and getting help and support is becoming, it's being viewed and perceived in a new way, which is really exciting in a positive way, I think. Um, but those three things at a high level I'm seeing across the board. And then another one that, you know, this community might be interested in that I think we can prevent as we kind of, as our generations move forward into their careers and become leaders and things is the sense of self because my clients are kind of in this, they've been in the grind for a while. They started really strong, like I did. And then they hit this wall where they're exhausted. They've been heads down in career for so long. They don't know who they are anymore. Like when I ask them, like, what do you value? What do you want to do? What are your interests outside of work? Very likely they don't know because they haven't really connected with that side of them in a while. So the sense of, um, this lost sense of self I'm seeing a lot of. And I think that's very common when, I mean, as they say, right? Like where you put your attention, that's where your energy goes. So if you're focused on career, you're giving it your all. The rest of life, like relationships, creativity, um, travel, your home environment, all these other things kind of get dropped because you only have so much to give. Uh, So I'm seeing, I'm finding that one quite, I mean, I can relate to it, but I find that one interesting because it doesn't have to be that way, right? Um, If you're paying attention to how you're allocating and managing your time and you're noticing 
and you're feeling it in your body that you're maybe going into overdrive with career, you can intentionally take a step back and make sure like, oh, do I have a dinner booked with my friends this week? Do I have time to get outside and, and connect with nature? Have I been working on, um, people like to write? Have I been working on my poetry or this other side of me or my music? It, it, we can avoid that, that sense of feeling lost because that can be really heavy if you go down too much of a spiral. Um, I think if people can really step into all of who they are and find more of a healthy relationship with work, the rest, there can be space for the rest of you to show up in your daily life. Yeah. So how do you recommend people create that healthy relationship? Because like I, I, I'm not in the workforce yet. I'm graduating college in May. And even like in being a student, I can see, and I can see how this would probably translate into the workforce too, where we, there's just so much to do with schoolwork. And then also in the workforce that it can be hard to find that balance between like, no, someone saying, oh, I have so much work to do. Like, I, I can't take the time to go have dinner with somebody or take the time to go for a walk. So how do you create that healthy relationship? Yeah. I, okay. So I think there's a few uh, pieces here because I, I was just writing about this for something else um, because I do think the root cause, just like I do with physical health, we look at what's the root cause of your symptoms, the root cause of what I mentioned, the stress, the burnout, the mental health, people learning how to manage their mental health um, actually comes from the work environment, right? Because it's very difficult, especially if you're the most junior person on the team, if everyone else is working late, you're expected to be there. That's the culture, right? If someone wants something by 7am the next day, and they're asking you at 5pm, you can't go home or you can't go out to dinner with your friends because you need to do this by 7am. So there are, there are solid, uh, boundaries that we're working in, particularly early on in your career, because you, there's just these expectations that you actually show up and and get these things done. That being said, say one, I would say you have to start with acknowledging what's the culture and recognizing it. Like, where is it appropriate for you to say something to your manager when you're noticing that this, this workload is overwhelming and not holding that in because you're you're scared or or nervous, or you want to come off like you can handle it all long-term. That's not going to work for you because you're going to hit that wall quite early in your career. You're going to be exhausted. And then you're going to need a leave of absence because you need to figure things out. Right. Um, But what I've seen with junior analysts on in my old world is that they do want to be the invincible person. They take on, take on, take on. And, and you can see they haven't slept in days when you look at their face. So that being said, one, You need to come in and learn the culture so you can see realistically, like learn what are the ropes, what are the actual expectations, and then how can I communicate? Because likely, let me finish that thought. How can I communicate when things feel too much, when I'm overwhelmed, and when I need a break? And those things are very important because sometimes what happens is your manager or your team hands something off to you. And because you seem like easy, breezy, cool, I got this they don't know that you're overwhelmed. They don't know that you need help. And what task takes you three hours, maybe could take you 30 minutes if you just admitted that you didn't know how to do it. So I I think it's once you're comfortable, you know, I think it's not something you just step into and feel I'm trying to give you really practical advice. It takes time to be able to learn 
the vibe of the team and how to speak to them and what words to use and that kind of stuff. But knowing that that's an option and that's totally okay um, can start shifting the culture around workload and uh, getting the support that you need. Because if you don't ask, no one knows. And it's just the pace of that world. Um, Secondly, going back to managing your time, if you're starting to notice these are the times of day, my manager, my team really needs me to be very focused on work because likely it's not uh, 9 a.m. straight through 6 p.m. Likely there's lulls in your day. Maybe you can take just starting to plan. You're very strategic around the hour, the 30 minutes here and there that you have. So as long as you know you have some set routines that are important to you, like a big one I see, having consistent lunch times. That's so important for your hormones, your blood sugar, everything, your brain health. So just making sure that you're eating at a consistent time, blocking that early, um, making sure that you're getting up and drinking water throughout the day, that you're not just sitting in front of your computer and going, 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 um, creating a space around your workspace, right? Like maybe you like to see certain things. Like I always have a plant on my desk. Maybe you have just those comfort things around you. So you just like feel good in your work environment. Um, there's always small things you can incorporate in the way that you work. So you're not going too hard. So, yeah, I I hope that makes sense. It's like the world that we're working in needs to change slowly, but that change starts with us. So as we come into these roles, knowing what's important to us and finding small ways to incorporate wellness into our day is huge. And then communication is, is really, really big. Yeah. Yeah, definitely like starting because you can't just tell people to go do these things, but just maybe incorporating like small daily practices into their normal work day and then slowly build up from there. And hopefully in time, the more people do this, the more the work culture could shift shift in like an ideal world. And have you noticed like with speaking with people that there maybe is a sense of need like an external validation that they get from you know being the first one in the office being the last one to leave even if it Mm. or putting in more hours than they need to just to kind of like work their way up and get that validation from like their boss or other coworkers. like have you noticed that at all with people and yeah them doing it even though it's at the expense of them you know taking the time to meditate in the morning or taking the time to go for that walk or hang out with friends you know have you Mm -hmm. seen that Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. If you're hired into the role that you're taking on, you're qualified. So you don't need to show them you're qualified once you're in the job again. You do have to do well. I'm not saying get in and slack. No, like you need to do your job. But a funny thing is you're being hired to work, let's say a 40 hour work week. Maybe if you're in like investment banking, you know, coming in, it will be more, but let's just say a lawyer or whatever you're doing. Um, You're, you're, especially when you're just starting, there's, you're not being paid enough to work these crazy hours. And what I'm seeing big corporations and and smaller companies, I think are actually more ahead of the game in this. They're investing a lot of money now in technology and apps and different ways to help their teams manage stress, burnout, and mental health. Whereas, you know, it could be much easier for them or cheaper if like we actually didn't put the strain on people. Um, so to, to back up and answer your question, I do see that. I see that um, ego boost that people get when someone says, you know, 
that, oh, you're here earlier. You're still here. What are you doing? But I know from my own experience, you know, likely that analyst is, if they don't actually have work to do, they're sitting there just because I'm still there or our boss is still there and we don't actually need them. But, you know, they want to feel like they're participating. Sometimes that's appropriate for sure. If maybe there's an opportunity for you to learn something or whatever, but to consistently do that um, doesn't help your career in the long run. And you're actually, and hopefully it, it continues to be this way. You're judged based on your output, you know, like what are you providing for the team and how are you doing it? And, and for folks that are kind of moving into the bigger corporates, the way that you're rated performance review is on the what, which is like the stuff you bring to the table and the how, and the how is like your attitude, your mindset. Are you pleasant to work with? How do you communicate all those things? And that's actually very, very difficult to do well. If you haven't slept, if you're eating poorly, if you're, you know, cranky, all these, like, you know, and I'm not saying meditation is the only way to feel ease, but if you're not like clear in your mind, the how is not going to be, it's not going to be, it's not going to come easy for you. Um, so I, if you do like a cost benefit analysis of ego boost, because I am working really late and I'm around all the time, or, um, you know, the other side, which is the pay, the other side is I'm exhausted and I can't think clearly and Excel is making no sense to me right now because I had seven coffees and I'm jittery you know, does the quality of the work actually improve? So starting to really think about uh, why you're doing what you're doing. And if your end goal is to crush it at work, well, okay, if I'm going to be judged on output and my vibe essentially, right, what do I need to do to be my best self at work? And if it's meditating, if it's coming in a little bit later because you needed to sleep, if it's taking an actual lunch break, which I don't know if you'd be surprised or not, but nobody actually does. So like, if it's little things like that, that can make you, uh, come in as a clear headed, calm, uh, problem solver, right? Because for problem solving, you need energy and your brain uses a ton of calories. So you need to eat for your body in that way. So your mind can proper properly function. Um, it's, it's essential for, for your career long-term to, to grow in the way that you want it to. So I think sometimes what I would say is if you're working in that space, I get it. I've been there too. It's a short-term payoff because if you stay with the same company years down the road, they won't remember that for a month straight, you stayed till 2 a.m. They just won't remember because life continues. So you didn't do that for anyone else. You did it for your own ego. And I don't know that that's worth your health. Um, I hope that wasn't too harsh, but that's, that's, no, no, that's, that's good. what, that's like what that the, reminds me of. The honesty. Know? Yeah. yeah. That's like, Cause I feel like a lot of people in those positions, they need, they need that like brutal kind of tough love yeah. realization and to really shift their thinking from more of a short-term payoff to more of a long-term payoff. And like, how can I actually have longevity in this career field that I'm in, you know, if they yeah. like it. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I don't know. I mean, from what I've seen in people, it's one other advice on that is um, when I said it around asking for help and kind of communicating if something is too much or you need support or help, like, and when I say support, I'm not just saying you need emotional support from your boss. I'm not saying that I'm saying support. Like, I don't know how to do the task you just gave me. And in internally I'm panicking because I don't want to look like I'm not smart or I can't do it. Uh, but I also have no clue how to do it. So then you 
you know, you, it's not efficient and that's what you need to be in these jobs. So asking for help for tangible stuff can be a mental payoff and a physical payoff. Um, but my thought process on that was, uh, I don't think I remember. I don't think I remember. It was around asking for help, being more efficient. Maybe it'll come back to me. Maybe it'll come back to me because I can't, I was really excited because you asked about boundaries. Mm. Yeah, it'll come back. Okay. Um, but I just want to, I want to like kind of walk through a scenario of like, maybe somebody does these wellness practices, like works in the corporate world and they have like a solid wellness foundation. You know, they do, they do yoga and they work out and they spend time with friends, but then they still feel this like overwhelming feeling of, you know, just not being happy, still having stress, like still feeling burnt out. Maybe they're super unhappy Mm -hmm. with their job. Like, would you, how would you recommend that they deal with something like that? Cause they, it's like, they're Mm -hmm. using the tools to have a more balanced and mindful life, but then they're still feeling all of these things. Mm, That's good because that I, I think that means your body is telling you something's not right. I think that's intuition saying you're either not in the right role. You're not, you're not using, you're not using your potential, meaning let's say that you're your talents, your gifts that you want to bring to the world through the work that you do. And it doesn't have to just be work. Maybe you volunteer and you get different sides of you out in other ways. Uh, I think that that's the body letting you know that something needs to change. So one, I would say, let's not ignore that, right? If you are doing kind of all the recommended things and something's still not clicking, then writing, writing can be a really powerful tool because you can write out kind of what is, what are you actually feeling? Like what's off? Is it a physical feeling? Is it emotional? Is it your mind running all the time? Are you unhappy with your mood? Write down all the symptoms and then start kind of trying to tie it to triggers. Like, when do I feel this stuff? Does it come up when I talk to a certain person or when I'm given a certain type of project? Does it come up uh, when I eat certain foods? I think people underestimate the power of, of food emotionally and mentally, um, because foods that's made of properties, it's chemicals, not, not bad chemicals. I just mean like the, it's even vitamins, minerals, that kind of thing. Your food is not just what you look like. There's a lot of, uh, communication it does inside the body. Once it gets in there that have a, a impact on, on your mood. So starting to try to like work into it and say like, all right, it's triggered by these things or by this stuff and then start changing things in small steps. So what I mean by that is if you're, if you're overwhelmed by kind of three core areas, four core areas, pick one and try to change that slowly and see if you feel better. If not, then pick a different one. And, and it just, and it just means that something needs to change, uh, but do it slowly. So you don't feel overwhelmed and give up. Oftentimes what I see is that people don't give change enough time to actually let your body and your mind catch up. So they're like, Oh, I've been doing this for two weeks and it's not working. Um, you need, you need more time because you were doing likely whatever you were doing to get to this point has been a habit of yours for a longer period. So you just need to give the body time to like adjust and cycle out what you've been doing. Um, so I think, I think it's being 
brave enough to try something different, finding the root. Sometimes we don't want to do that because we're scared what comes up, but the earlier you deal with those things, um, I think it just clears space for new possibility for you to feel better and feel, feel, uh, more closely connected to who you're supposed to be in this lifetime. And if you can connect to that, um, earlier on, I mean, you're saving yourself time from doing it later. It's inevitable. Yeah, exactly. That's good. And then on the flip side of that, for like somebody who has no wellness practices at all, like no history of doing anything in that whole sphere, like holistic health, holistic wellness, um, mm-hmm. but they are experiencing like huge symptoms of stress, burnout, being overwhelmed with work. But obviously there's a lot of resistance to change, especially for someone who's been in the mm-hmm. corporate world and, you know, just like the hustle mentality for years and sometimes even like decades. How do you help them kind of let go of that resistance to change and start having more of an open mind to accepting like these different wellness practices to improve their life? Because for somebody who's 40 and has been in the wellness work or the, I mean, the corporate world for so long, like starting it's to harder. move in those practices it's really really hard yeah so how oh do you yeah help people mm-hmm. with that so I can't help anyone who doesn't want it and mm-hmm. so that's another brutal honesty thing um you know a client won't come to me because I make them it's because they want to so uh fortunately or unfortunately the people who have a lot of resistance I don't get to see because they never actually take the step to sign on to a program come to a workshop that kind of thing But that being said, I do have friends in the industry who, you know, openly are like, I love what you're doing, but it's not for me. Right. And I'm totally fine with that because the more I can study people and learn from people, I can understand them and I can, it's just, it's interesting for me. One and two, I can structure my programs to speak to them in different ways. But for the people who have resistance, I think they probably need the most support because they've allowed themselves to get deeper and deeper and what I mean by deeper stress in particular is it builds on itself and it takes a long time to unwind because there's so many things, your muscles are contracting, your mind isn't clear, uh, and this stuff builds. And, and so if you're, if you're in your example, if you're, if you're hitting 40 and you're, you've been living life a certain way, mentally, that's all, you know, so the idea of change is actually scary. And I had a, a, a colleague of mine, Um, from the banking world, say this to me that, you know, he would love to explore this type of work, particularly meditation, because he's a very high strung, high stress kind of guy, but he loves what he does at work. And he doesn't know if he could perform at the same level, if he's not stressed, because to him, uh, to be able to operate and perform at the level he was doing, he actually attributes some of that success to being a little bit more high, strong and active and, and all those things. So he's actually, he knows it's not good for him. It doesn't feel good in his body. He'll admit that, but he doesn't know what the other side looks like. So he'd rather not change. And I don't think that's uncommon. I, to your point, I think you mentioned changes is frightening and scary and there can be resistance to that. Um, but then, then again, I mean, particularly people in this world, if they're thinking risk versus reward, I'll go back to that. Um, what's the risk and what's the reward? Your risk is that you get the next promotion at the expense of your health. So what is, what is that title? What is that position of power? 
if you have issues with your heart, with your blood pressure, if you need to take a leave of absence to take care of mental health. I don't, I don't know, you know, I think that's up to the individual, but if they, what I would say to them is uh, try to think longer term. And I, my personal opinion is uh, if you want to make it to those managerial positions, and I've seen this myself, you either (laughs) have to adjust the way you're working because your body tells you like, I cannot do this anymore. And then you need to tweak some things um, because of force, because you made it, you pushed your body too far or you realize it earlier and you kind of start slowly by unwinding and saying, okay, when uh, Jessica comes into my office and she's presenting on uh, holistic ways to manage stress, why does my brain shut off the second she speaks? Like, why am I resisting this so much? And if it's fear, let's get, that's the root. Where's the fear coming from? Is it because you don't think you'll be on your A game because you don't think you'll perform? Well, let's try to tweak things slowly so you can show yourself that you actually perform better because you're thinking clearer, because you're coming up with different solutions you didn't even see possible before, uh, because you're more pleasant, right? Like a lot of these jobs are based on communication. Um, if you are that cranky person, no one wants to talk to you. No one wants to work with you. You know, if you're client facing and you have to take people to lunch and all these things, you know, are, are you someone that they want to be around? Because if yes, they, they'll still bring on more deals with you. They'll connect with you more. Um, so I think it's just opening their mind up to the possibility and working through that fear of what change can bring um, and being gentle with it. Because again, you need to come when you're ready. And if you force anything too soon, uh, it won't stick with you. You won't have a good experience and the likelihood of you coming back is minimal. Um, so yeah, I would say just, you know, no judgment for that. If people aren't open to it, give them time. But I, I would like them to understand that um, starting to think long-term can help them big time if they just have it at the back of their head of like, all right, what she's saying doesn't resonate with me now, but I am going to remember this because in three years from now, I, you know, I have someone to go back to, or I've heard these words before I can Google them and find someone that maybe could teach me more. So just putting it in your back pocket. Yeah. And so to elaborate more on the point of what you said about people coming when they're ready, I I read in this book, it was called Awareness, and I forget who it was by, but he talked about how, like, he used alcoholics as an example, and how Mm -hmm. they won't make changes to their alcoholism until they're suffering from liver failure, and they have, like, literally no other option. So maybe not that exact example, but when you're working with clients in the corporate world, do you see that often where they just have like some bad medical issue or they're just like hitting rock bottom where they're coming to you from almost like a desperate state where they literally have no other choice? Yeah, it's there. It's there. Um, at the age I'm at, so, you know, the people I, I tend to attract are people around their thirties they're maybe not at the extreme physical symptoms, but mental. I'm seeing more of that. It's like, I'm just so tired and sad and stressed. Like, I don't know where my personality has helped me. So I see it more from that way. And, but I think what you're asking is the desperation point. Does it just come because things have gone too far? Yes, that's there. But I also want to give a head nod to the people who, um, are being more proactive and they're not, it's not that they have these big issues. They're just curious and they want to learn more about themselves and, and they know, which I think is so cool. If people can open up to that, 
they know that there's more to them and they want to explore that and bring that out and show people what that is. So sometimes we just work through, um, you know, just uh, small tweaks to food and their exercise routines. We get them and we get them into more structured routines and then we help, you know, design a lifestyle that they really like and want to follow. And that's really what I specialize in is like that lifestyle design component. Um, but they're proactively just embracing the idea that wellness is necessary for them to achieve the goals they want. And, uh, that to me is really exciting to see because it doesn't have to be this desperation point because then, you know, you definitely need more than me. You probably need a specialist in the medical field. You need a certain type of therapist or something like that. Um, so you'll need a bigger team to support you, to get you out of that, which of course, that's why we're all here. That's why you have these jobs, you know, people are there for you. But the other side of that is just leaning into like, and I mean, this is factual in a lot of places. You've never learned anything about nutrition up to this point. You never learned, you know, what kind of exercises work or don't work for your body. Um, if you never had an example in your life of a family member or, um, a mentor or something that could show you how to live in a way that is holistic, that pays attention to health, that integrates health in the small daily things, you actually have no clue. So it'd be kind of cool if more people kind of moved into this openness of, I just want to learn so I can be my best self. Um, but unfortunately we're not quite there yet right now. People are more like, I need something to happen before I can spend time and money and energy on this. Um, but the proactive side super cool because then you can just, I don't know, just live from a different place of self-awareness, which I think is really empowering, uh, when it comes to like daily decision-making. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's like a mix. And, and I guess I would ask you too, like what from your people and the people that you're around and the people you get to talk to through the podcast, um, is there an appetite to kind of do the self-work and exploration and kind of take care of your health on the proactive side, or is it more once they're dealing with something? I think it, I think it, it's more like situational from what I've seen and like with peers and stuff, it's, I think it just really depends on the person and the point that they're in, in their life, you know, for because I'm around more of the college demographic so if somebody is in the midst of like the partying drinking scene they're gonna be less aware of like what they need to do to better their lives in the future and like think long term and that longevity mm -hmm. aspect they're more in the moment of like oh what am I going to do this weekend to have fun and de-stress from the week and usually their methods of de-stressing involves like drinking or something like that you know so I think it really just depends more on the person mm -hmm. but I wanted to ask you about, because most of the listeners of this podcast are in the 18 to 25 demographic, like the college age. So how do you recommend that they, especially the college graduates, like people going into the workforce, come into working in the corporate world from more of a proactive mindset about creating these mm -hmm. wellness habits, like starting off at a young age with good habits and then building on them as they get older? Yeah. Um, I think it's a really powerful time, but it's also comes acknowledging it comes with a lot of change, uh, because you're taking on a new job, you're meeting new people, you're moving away from friends, you're trying a new city likely. So you're at a point in time, like you mentioned where you're at in your life, that's a very transitional time. 
Um, so it's important to have, in my experience, it's important to have some grounding practices. And what grounding practices entail is anything that allows you to, like the name says, ground, come back down. Stress is usually up here in your in your head, in your mind. You feel it in your heart. You feel it in the upper part of the body. So having grounding practices allows you to almost just like deeply exhale, pause, intentionally pausing, and clear your mind, settle into your body before you make a decision, because that intentional pause can just allow you to see a situation a little bit differently so you can make a better decision. Um, so one, one thought can be starting to cultivate like a grounding practice or what I do with clients that we call it like a grounding toolkit, starting to learn what actions you can take that actually help you feel better and de-stress in a way that's healthy for you. So maybe you experiment with meditation, maybe you experiment with walking outside, with journaling, with talking to a friend, um, going to bed earlier, reading a book before bed, you know, putting the phone away, just having, starting to build those habits. And, and it doesn't have to be fancy. It can be like jotting it down in a notebook, putting it in your notes in your phone, but just starting to learn about yourself a little bit more because up until this point, you've been you know, heads down in school and then finding jobs and applying for things and trying to figure out who you are. That's overwhelming. That's a lot going on. Right. And maybe you weren't necessarily paying attention to your health at that time, not to this level of depth. So starting to develop this like new level of self-awareness where you're like, okay, you know, when, you know, shit hits the fan, these are the things that allow me to feel better. And I know it cause I've tried it and I like it. So I'm just going to like take a mental note. So when things are difficult, because they will be, I know this is how I can calm down. So that would be one. Um, as you're developing a new routine with work, that's an excellent opportunity to, to kind of a blank slate with what your day looks like. Because in college, your classes are at all sorts of times of the day. You're fitting in exercise whenever. You're eating whenever. It's not a consistent structure. What you can do now in your new, new job or whatever you're taking on as your next step is strategically look at the week and fit wellness in early. And it can start small. It can start with eating at consistent times during the day, drinking water and finding a way to move your body. It doesn't have to be a full gym session, whatever. Find 15, 20, 30 minutes here and there. So just starting to build routines that you like, that you wanna to stick to, and that work around the new work schedule you have. Um, and knowing, I think just having someone tell you, it can be really reassuring, like knowing that this isn't like fluffy stuff to pay attention to. It's, it's actually quite important. And it's being talked about a lot in employee engagement teams and like learning and development for a lot of companies. So by you prioritizing it, you're just ahead of the game. Everyone else is catching up. So, you know, you're not going to be looked at from, you know, superiors on your team or your manager of like, Oh, that's strange. Why is she doing, or he doing that? It's, they're starting to see that, that the, the next kind of set of new leaders, budding leaders care about this stuff and they're trying to adapt to that. So if it's important to you, just stick with it and do it. Um, and the last piece of advice in terms of going into a new, this new phase of your life is that, um, it's okay to, to be yourself at work. I think we come into these jobs for, for some reason, we have this idea of what 
this new version of you and this new job needs to be, but no one else can tell you that except for you. Like with parameters, every job has a professionalism to it or a style or a culture that they would like for you to adapt. To some extent, we all need to do that. We live in societies where we have to adapt, totally normal. What I'm saying is if you're naturally a very um, creative person, bring that to the table. If you're naturally a little bit more introvert, but you love building systems and, and making things more efficient, bring that to the table because we all have really amazing, unique qualities to ourselves, but we dim them because we want to fit into the new thing we're trying. And I just don't see a reason for that. Like feel confident to bring yourself to work. That was a big uh, catchphrase, I would say at my previous employer, but no one knew what that meant. Um, we would say, bring yourself to work, bring your whole self to work. And people are like, what? I'm just trying to do my job. What I interpret that as is don't, don't dim your light, like bring your personality, bring your skills, bring your curiosity, your questions, because you're the fresh air. Like you're coming in and they hired you because they need you. So have that confidence, um, build on that confidence and, and show them what you have, because that's, I think that's the way forward is like, everyone has something, um, really special and unique to them and, and it's valued. So, yeah. I love Hopefully that. That, I helps. Love that, that last yeah. piece. Because, like, with that throughout life as a student, you're told, like, what to do, what to say, yeah. when to work, when to be quiet, like, when to talk and stuff. So, just remembering that aspect of, like, it's okay to be yourself. And, like you said, bring yourself to, whole, to work your whole self. So, that's, that's a really important thing. And yeah. if you have a book, podcast, resource that you'd recommend anyone listening to check mm. out, something that you really like, I have a few. So if you're interested in, let's do it this way. If you're interested in like what holistic health is and what's going on, what are people studying now in terms of mind body practices in the medical field? So kind of more specific and the tangible on that side, there's a book called state change. Um, and it's by a functional doctor, functional medical doctor, um, who's also studied to be a health coach. She's incredible. Um, Robin Bersnan, it's B-E-R-Z-I-N. Really cool book. I would, I would do that for those that are interested there. Then from a like spiritual, interested in like the bigger questions in life, I just like want to dive into that. If, I just find that fun. Um, On Being is an incredible podcast um, with Krista Tippett. It's it asks some really cool questions. And I think it allows you to think in ways that you wouldn't in your day-to-day conversations with friends or family and that kind of thing. Um, and then resources, the Chopra center is huge for Ayurveda for people who want to learn about that. Um, and then one book on mindset for, for people that are studying psychology or in the business school, I wonder if they came across it. It's called mindset. Um, and I'm looking at my book now to see if I can see the author. If you just Google mindset, why I recommend this book to people, this is for people coming into the workforce. It teaches you the difference between growth and fixed mindsets. And I think some of the things you hit on earlier around up until this time, being told what to do, when to do it, what to say, having all the structure actually creates something, what the author calls a fixed mindset. And she explains to you 
and kind of opens up your world to what you're possible of achieving if you adapt what they call a growth mindset. So it's a, it's a really big game changer for um, people in the workforce, but also for people in the entrepreneurial space or like creating something new, it can be a game changer because it, all these things that you thought were like inherent qualities in you, they teach you that it's not static. Like you have the ability to change. And I think that can be really powerful for some, for people interested in that. Great. Those are good. Those are some great resources. I'll have to check yeah. those out. Too. And Absolutely. then lastly, where can people find you, your website, Instagram? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, um, Jessica Pizzagan. And I would follow me if you want daily kind of tips I talk about, and I'm speaking to the professional um, that's interested in holistic health. And I show up every day because I, there's so much to teach. <laughs> so I, I, I talk about all sorts of things from nutrition, lifestyle, mindset, um, and movement on there. So if you're interested in learning, you can find me on Instagram. My website is Jessica Patrizia, P-A-T-R-Y-C-J-A.com. Um, where I have a blog and you can see what I offer from a services and coaching perspective. Um, I'm always hosting workshops. I love those. Some are free, some are paid, so you can join me there. Um, and yeah, feel free to connect me, connect with me on any of those things. I'd love to hear from you all. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for Thank coming. You. On this, this was, was so much, fun. Yeah, yeah, this was, this is definitely, I think one of my favorite episodes so, so far, Aww. because I'd love everything you had to say. And I think that this is such an important topic, especially for the women that listen to this episode, because I'm a lot so are in the transition stage where they're going to be working and trying to find a place in the workforce. So thank you so much for thank you. Thank you for having me. And I, I love that you're doing this. So it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you.